Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I, well, we had thought we were going to talk about some recent celebrity book club picks, but we both realized that we really haven't like updated everyone with everything that we had been reading and could report on. So we're going to try to get to the celebrity book club picks, but you know, just in case we don't get through too many of them, this is why. We've actually been reading. We've actually been reading. So why don't we just start though with kind of like what we're reading in the middle of reading, thinking about reading, and then we will go to our complete, like we have read these and this is what we think kind of thing. Sounds good. So I am sort of at that beginning stage of both audio and print because I just recently finished an audio and print. So the audio that I just started so far, I'm really liking it. It's called Sam by Allegra Goodman. And it's a coming of age story about a girl whose parents have split up and she's got this somewhat sort of chaotic home life where She's, you know, not getting tons of attention from her frazzled single mother and her father is in and out of the picture quite a bit, but she discovers rock climbing and she gets kind of pushed into it by her father, but then she sort of starts doing it as like her extracurricular. So she's only at the part that I'm in the book, she's only about nine years old, but I know that this is going to kind of take her through high school. I don't know. I really like it. I'm not sure I've actually read anything by Allegra Goodman before. I've seen her books around a lot. Cookbook Collector, Catterskill Falls, but I don't think I've actually ever read one of them. And this book I saw around a lot last year and um, picked it up and picked it up on audio. It's narrated by one of my favorite narrators, Rebecca Lohman, who can make anything sound lonely. Like, I mean that in a good way. Oh, gosh. (laughs) She makes... Any sentence, maybe lonely is not the right word. She makes any sentence sound important and meaningful. Even if it seems, even if it's like a throwaway sentence, there's something about her delivery that infuses it with meaning. And it often, because the books I read are sad and lonely, (laughs) that's the way they come across to me. But she, I don't know, she's a really good narrator, but like her delivery makes a book a certain kind of book to me. Like I definitely know once I realize it's going to be a Rebecca Lohman narration, then that's the type. You're satisfied and you settle down into it. Yeah. I know it's going to be like a, you know, something of a emotional book, I guess. She has written a lot of books. Allegra Goodman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see the chalk artist is like a cover that I recognize. Have you read anything by her? Mm Mm-mm. I don't think I have either. For some reason, I thought I'd read The Cookbook Collector, but I looked on my blog and I couldn't find it. Well, Sam definitely looks like it's a lonely, (laughs) lonely book. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really, I mean, I've only been listening to it for maybe two days. I'm probably 15% in, but so far Mm -hmm. I'm really like, that's what I'm listening to. And then I'm casting around for a book. I keep sort of picking up one and putting them down and picking up another and putting it down. But I think what I'm going to settle on is actually a book that's one of the celebrity book clubs. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on mentioning it until we get to the celebrity book club section. 
You so rarely DNF things. So now we have a chance to kind of take a look at what's not catching your attention. Oh, there's like too many to count. And I wouldn't even call them a DNF because... Not a DNF, but you just couldn't quite settle. Yeah. I don't know. I picked up the new Ron Rash book. Oh, okay. And you know I love Ron Rash. You and I both love Ron Rash. We do. And the new book is called The Caretaker. And for whatever reason, I've read like three pages and fall asleep every time. I don't know why. And it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's a wonderful book. I can't wait to read it. But I just, it, I, for whatever reason, it hasn't grabbed me. Or you've just been particularly sleepy when you've yeah, it's probably tried to pick it up. An hour of TikTok, and then by the time I read the books, I've been watching TikTok all night. <laughs> I am going to read Shark Heart, and I was going to read it on do it on audio, and then I realized that the book is made up of lots of super short chapters, and I think with audio, and not even necessarily chapters, they're super short, like sections. They're not necessarily demarcated by new chapter headings, but I mm-hmm. realize that's great for audio because you can't tell on an audiobook when you're reading a super short short section that should be separated from the one that follows and precedes it. And so I find that that type of book, I would rather read it in print because I'd like to know where the author has inserted those breaks and I can't tell on audio unless it's like a you know new chapter. So this is a reading question that I have for you based on what you just said because I was just thinking about this the other day is do you feel like you pay enough reverence to section and chapter breaks like how often do you I was just thinking about this especially since when I'm reading something that's kind of like a page turner I'm just like it gets a little bit like an addiction and I'm just switching to the next chapter and I'm like did I really think about what I've read or what happened in this last chapter but I'm just racing on to the next So you mentioning needing to know where the section break is just made me think about that That's a great question I don't think that I necessarily give it like like literary meaning. Like, I don't think I stop and take stock and say, why did the author stop here? And what, what point of view shift are we about to get? Unless it's like a changing narrator or something. Not even literary meaning, but just kind of like, did I absorb, do I know what went on in that chapter or whatever? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like with books, you get to the end and it's just like, wow, especially if it's kind of a thriller or a page turner and I just feel like I inhaled something. I'm like, did I even stop properly? No, I read way too slowly for that. Okay. You read much faster than I do. So I never seem to have that problem. (laughs) I'm usually like, I finally made it to the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you prefer short, short chapters, long chapters? I'm obsessed a little bit. I like short ones because I feel a sense of accomplishment. Like, oh, I made it through some chapters and there's more white space and then they get through faster. <laughs> what do you think? Do you like long chapters? I don't really like super long chapters because sometimes you, you know how that can be my deep demarcation. Like if I'm going to go to bed, I just want to finish this chapter. And it's so frustrating when it's just like, oh, it's, this chapter is going to be another 12 pages. I'm just going to like leave it alone or something. I don't like them too short. I don't like them like James Patterson short where each chapter is three pages. Is that like a formula? Class? Who, James Patterson? Yeah. Like why are they also? Why are they? I think so. I think, and I want to say entry level, like James Patterson, Mary Higgins Clark. I feel like 
there were definitely mysteries or like these thriller books that I started reading when I was much younger. And I do think that there is something compelling in terms of accomplishment, in terms of, you know, you can just get, it's so easy to read just one more chapter and one more chapter and then kind of go on to the next thing. So I do think that there's like a method to that. Hmm. I don't particularly like short short chapters like that, like one and a half pages or whatever. Though. I mean, I guess I just like when the chapter breaks make sense. Like, right. you know, that there's some coda, like we're, we're, we've reached the end of a plot, you know, a Point. section of plot or we're switching a location to- or something. Yeah, ahead in time or something. But I think those are predicated on like cliffhanger at the end of each chapter, kind of like Dan Brown style. Oh yeah. I hate that. I hate when there's a cliffhanger that's like. <laughs> a forced cliffhanger. Yeah, I just I'm like I'm sort of like, dude, I'm gonna come back. Like, don't, you don't need to do that to get me to come back. I find <laughs> like it's sort of a cheap, a cheap ploy. But you know what I don't pay any attention to is um like sometimes you know chapters will have like a um a title or like a. Mm-hmm. I don't pay any attention to that whatsoever. What about if there's quotes? I was just talking to my cousin the other day, and she where. I, I'm making her read Fourth Wing. And so, you know, like every chapter at the um, beginning of Fourth Wing, there is like a little snippet, a little quote that's supposed to be like pulled from one of the history of this world, you know? So, and she's like, I look forward to reading that at the beginning of each chapter. I'm like, huh. well, I would completely ignore that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't think I would pay any attention to that at all. I mean, so many times I go back and I have to figure out how they're, like, I'll notice something is going on with how they're naming the chapters or something. And I'm like, oh, like, maybe I should go back and see what the others are. Yeah, that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what was I casting around? Shark Heart, and then I decided I need to do that in print, so I put I didn't do that on audio. And Ron Rash, and then the other book that I'm going to mention when we get to the uh, celebrity book clubs. Okay, so I need, but, you, like, but you kept that one. I think so. I mean, I'm I actually started that one like a month ago, and then for some reason put it down. But I, I'm I'm kind of excited to pick it back up. Okay. What about you? What are you reading right now? Okay, so I am reading, I don't have to go too much into what I'm reading because I feel like they're either old or big books or I mentioned them on the last show. So one of the things I'm reading is The Things We Do to Our Friends by Heather Darwent. I think I'm in the last quarter of this book. I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about it. I think it's one of those that the ending is going to determine how I feel about the entire book, which I don't know how I feel about books like that. But this one is about this this young woman who goes to school at the University of Scotland. It's clear she's trying, there's something mysterious that happened in her past. She's trying to get a fresh start and she falls in with a group of like, you know, wealthy college students who have some kind of project plan that they want to draw her into and they end up drawing her into. And it's kind of like in the middle of seeing what is going to be the result of what they've managed to get her embroiled in. And I don't know, I go back and forth between kind of like being bored with all of the elements because they're just so, I don't know, I think not enough has happened for me to string together to see if it's being done in an interesting way because, you know, it's, it's kind of like that story where an outsider or someone who is not as wealthy or is looking to make a change in her life falls in with wealthy 
college students or something. Mm. And so I guess it hasn't properly distinguished itself for me. Like some of the things they're doing are pretty wild, but I'm just kind of like, where's this going? Okay. I'm losing my, my college mystique mystery. Oh my God. That's been like know. a major thing for you for a long time. I know. And it has a name now. It's like dark academia. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, who knew? It's like once it, once it, Andra gets a name, Nicole's like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think no more. I think, but but it becomes like a thing, you know. It's it almost becomes like something that people set their cap at, and not that they weren't always setting their cap at, but now it's just like so specific. It's so well defined that it it becomes like a machine. So it's kind of like, are you the book in this genre that is going to be make it worthwhile? Because you know, so many dark academia books are going to be kind of ho hum, right? So I'm still reading. I'm still intrigued enough. It it could still distinguish itself and be clever. I'm balancing that with a court of mists and furies, which is the second in the second book after a court of thorn and roses, which was like a loose Beauty and the Beast retelling with Fae in it, like fairies. And then I'm reading a Gathering of Shadows by V. E. Schwab because I read A Darker Shade of Magic. So, but I'm definitely in like a fantasy, my fantasy era. I was going to say, you're in a major fantasy era. Major. I'm done with reality. And and maybe that's the thing with uh, the things we do to our friends. Like, there's no dragons. There's no fairies. (laughs) Just like, what is going on? Yeah, it's too real. Yeah. You need, like, some dystopia, you know, just like... Magic, something. Yeah. Interesting. What have you finished? Okay. Well, the book that I finished that I liked the most is nonfiction, true crime, and Ooh. it is The Art Thief by Michael Finkel. Did you read Okay. It? I don't think so. And I like art books. Oh, this is so good. This is the painstaking, incredibly detailed, <laughs> unbelievable, and shocking story of a man and his girlfriend who stole a tremendous amount of art in Europe in the late 90s. And did they just wreck it or something? No, they kept it. Oh, they kept it. Well, at least they did that. They loved it so much, especially him. And I don't want to do, I don't want to spoil much of this book at all. I mean, I don't want to spoil any of it, but I don't want to say much about it because sort of delving into this story was just so fascinating. Hmm. So I don't want to get into too much about like the relationship between the two of them or what they did with the art and whether they got caught and blah, blah, blah. But it is so good. And it was like, I did this on audio and I wrote a review of it yesterday. And what I said was, I'm so glad I did it on audio because, you know, when you're reading a book, like even if you're not trying to read ahead or look ahead, sometimes your eyes just just fall on the page and you can see it. Yeah. It just, your eyes see it. Even if your brain isn't there yet, your eyes see it. And then your brain slowly catches up to it. It's kind of hard to be truly shocked by something in a book. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's sometimes hard to be truly shocked, especially if it's a figure, like a number or something like that. But audio, it you have no idea what's coming, literally no idea. You can't see the words coming ahead of you. Yeah, you and have to times, listen. You know, listen, and there were times where I like honestly gasped. I was like driving my car, walking my dog, and I gasped because I was so shocked by what he said. Like what, oh my know, gosh. Because it was so, it's like one of those just like, the reality is so much 
stranger than like a fictional account. Like it, it just was so good. So it's not very long. I did an audio. The narrator was great. I just loved this book. And it was like, I can't believe it's a true story. It's crazy. I feel like I have to listen to it since it's like that. So I could be surprised like that. Yeah. Because I know exactly what you mean, how just like sometimes your eyes just stray to the opposite page. And you always pick out, it seems like the most key sentence to the whole thing. I see that. Yeah, I know. Totally know what you mean. Like it just settled on the words that reveals the murderer, whatever. Right, Um, right. I'm just like, no. (laughs) I really recommend the audio and the narrator's fantastic. His name is Eduardo Ballerini. He's an actor and he just was perfect for this role. I I really recommend it. It was, this book was like a bestseller last year. It's not, you know, I'm not, it's not some hidden gem that nobody knows. (laughs) I just got to it. Had gotten it from the library, so I really, really recommend it. And that was probably my top read so far this year. So, question for you: Do you think would you read something else by him, or is this just like really specific to like the subject matter? Yeah, I posted my review on Facebook today, and a bunch of people commented that they had read other books by him that were great. So, I oh, think okay. I would. I have to see what they are. I assume that they're also nonfiction. Maybe he does more true crime. I don't know. But yeah, I would. He thought he was a great writer. I mean, he did exhaustive research, including many interviews with the with the thief. So like, uh, you know, he really did his homework. And um, I think he spent like 11 years writing this book or something. So yeah, I would read more by him. I, I mean, I want to check out what they are. But yeah, I would based on this one for sure. This I'm other one he has is called The Stranger in the Woods, The Extraordinary Story of the Last True Hermit. Hmm. Huh. And right. he broke into nearby cottages for food. Yeah, he, he could just find like really interesting subject matter. And Yeah. Huh. Yeah, people like living on the fringe. I, I mean, that's hard to live up to. So what else do you have? <laughs> um, I read The Berry Pickers by Mm. Amanda Peters. And this is a book about a Native American, not not American, Native family, um, because they're not, they live in Nova Scotia. So that's, I guess that's not considered Native American. Um, uh, An Indian Native family living in Nova Scotia who every summer go to Maine to pick blueberries to make money. And there's a family of five, um, two parents and no, sorry, six, two parents and four kids. And one summer, the youngest daughter disappears. She's like four. And so it's all about the effect of the little girl's disappearance on this family and um, how she, how this family suffers a lot of loss, not just her, but other other kids in the family also, they lose other ones too. Not, I mean, they, you know, they die. And so um, it's about like the, the how tragedy and loss kind of affect the surviving family. And in particular, her brother, who was only two years older than she was, he was like six or seven when she disappeared. And then there's a dual timeline with a girl who, never fit in with her mother, never felt like she belonged, looked different from her parents. So you kind of figure out pretty quickly that she's most likely the girl who disappeared. I mean, I'm not giving away some major secret. So there's a dual timeline between her childhood and her life. 
versus what's going on with the other family who lost the little girl. And then, you know, do they converge in the end? Um, and I thought it was really good. It's a, it's sad, um, but it was, you know, an, a very sensitively told story about kind of how, you know, these white, like farmers in Maine or these white the people who owned the berry fields, you know, really took advantage of these Indian families who would come and work for very cheap, you know, how these families kind of tried to remain intact and tried to make a living and what it was like when they would go back home. Um, it was just, it was a good sort of a quiet sort of small story, but really good. Just as a lot of sadness and kind of loneliness in that one too. That would have been a good one for Rebecca Lohman to narrate. <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I d- actually did that one on audio and I don't, I didn't love the audio. I didn't love the narrators on that one. So I'd recommend p- the print for that one, but it's got this beautiful cover with blueberries on it. And it was kind of a, the, it was a big word of mouth book last year. Yeah. So I saw I really it all over the place. It. Yeah. And it's from like kind of a small press. I think I don't, I don't actually know if it's small catapult. Is that, I don't, I don't know much about that press. Yeah. It's not, it's not tiny. I want to say is it an arm of one of the big five, but, or maybe, maybe. It, it may be, it may be an indie, but it's a bigger, it is a bigger one. But it wasn't like a huge, one of the big, you know, big books of the year. Like, I feel like that book got word of mouth and that's how it got popular. Uh, I think I remember it was like a Barnes and Noble, you know, they had it oh, on or something a shelf talker or yeah, it was, it was something for them. It may have been one of their book club picks. Uh, That's possible. I think it was catapult. Maybe I got that wrong, but anyway, I liked, I liked it a lot. So I'm glad I read that one. I would definitely recommend, like I said, the print over the audio. And then the other one that I wanted to mention was I read absolution by Alice McDermott. And this was that one, good. It was good. And for some reason it took me forever to get through it. And I don't know why, because it was a good book. Um, it's about these expat women living in Vietnam in the sixties while their husbands are there under somewhat, you know, unspecified reasons. Like probably their husbands were, you know, in the CIA or something but it's kind of about these two women who lived in Vietnam during that time. And hard to explain, it's about sort of motherhood and how to live up to a sense of duty. Like to whom do you owe responsibility and duty? And it's kind of just about, about being tested morally, which I think is, you know, the, the backdrop of it being Vietnam is you've got kind of like the, the macro, which is the moral, the dubious moral or the dubious morality of us being there in the first place in Vietnam. So you've got that on a macro level and then it's also playing out on kind of a micro level with these women and they're trying to do things that they think are going to help people in Vietnam, but it's unclear whether what they're doing is actually helping or not. And there's kind of like ulterior motives. And it also has um, dual timeline and dual perspectives because the story is told from the perspective of one of the women who was there. And then many, many years later, the daughter of the other woman. So there's just a lot of shifting perspectives and, you know, looking back and rethinking about things and 
I don't know. It's kind of, sort of a hard book to describe, but in the end, I liked it. And in, in the end, I was glad I read it. I, I, I was glad I read it. I just don't know why it took me so long to get through it. I did it in print and it just, for whatever, it's not a long book either. It just, it was like, it, it just, I, I had to, I, I had to, it was impossible to read that one fast. I couldn't skim it. It was like every, every, there's a lot of description and every page I felt like re- required a, like a lot of focus. Oh, okay. But I did like it. I don't know if I've read actually any other Alice McDormand before. I feel like her name pops up a lot, but I don't know if I've read any of her either. I was actually thinking of reading this or, um, well, I was thinking of reading it anyway, and I realized that it would be my one book title for your challenge. Yeah, yeah. I think it was mine too. Or at least it will be one of them. Um, I I would love for you to read it because I'd love to talk to you about it and see sort of like unpack it a little bit because I found it I found it deeper and more complicated than I than it appeared on the surface and so I'd love to I haven't read I haven't talked to anyone else who's read it and I would love to talk to you about it. Oh, I know why I she's familiar. It. Her book the ninth hour was on my shelf for a while which i think was about like nuns in brooklyn she's catholic so that would make sense and i think there's there's seems to be a lot of catholicism in her books certainly there was in this one Hmm. okay yeah that sounds good so i think i had more books that i am in the middle of reading than i thought because I think I've discussed most of them. I read one of our own by Lucinda Berry, which was interesting. I listened to it on um, audio. I got it from Libro FM. And it was it's about this, this single mother who, you know, she works a lot and she's moved with her son to a small town uh, where she's become part of the community. And she volunteers at a, like, a crisis hotline, like one of those emergency hotlines where you can call in if you need help. And she gets a call from this young woman who is, has attended this party, like um, a high school party and something has happened to her there. And she knows that her son has also attended this party. So at the same time that she is trying to support this young woman and get to the mystery of what happens, she is also kind of investigating and, well, not telling the complete truth about how her son is involved until she can do a little digging herself. And of course, you know, like what she finds or what she finds has been going on and how she decides to deal with it, how everyone deals with the aftermath in this community is part of this book. And it was a really quick like, I don't know. I feel like I list, it was a five-hour listen, six-hour listen. It was short, and it was interesting. Um, you know, these tricky situations that parents are in and how you navigate doing the right thing, even when you think um, your child might be involved in something that is, you know, not great. Hmm. Okay. And what else did I read? I feel like I did read, oh yes, the last time I think I had called this book The Other Follower, and the name is The Other Profile by 
Irene Graziosi, and that was the one that was set in Italy and about these two women. One is about in in her late 20s, and she is basically hired to look after this young influencer who does not have much of a direction. And it follows their relationship as, you know, the influencer starts, I guess, appropriating um, this woman's voice and just kind of like how it affects their relationship and kind of looks into the dark side of, of being an influencer, you know, like identity politics and, you know, what you actually believe in terms of what you're promoting and when your identity has been shaped by basically having to please people, what does it do to you? Like what kind of corrosive effects does it have? So it w- it was kind of different. Um, I think a different take on the influencer, um, I guess, genre of book, just because I think that there's a lot of these like kind of lighthearted, you know, like being an influencer is no big deal or not a lot of work or they're kind of like vapid and, and don't have a lot going on. And so I think that this was like a a much darker and more intelligent um, read on the whole thing. I mean, of course, it's also set in a different country, different culture. Um, So that made it a little bit different. But, you know, it was it was an interesting read. I feel like there's a whole genre of books about influencers. I know. I want to gather and take a look at them. Yeah. Yeah. It is such an interesting like phenomenon that lends itself. I think some are the mom influencers, you know, and it's like people agonizing over content and the, you know, you don't realize how much this actually takes out of you. And um, I can't think of the one that I read last year, which was basically about someone who posts, I'll have to look back at the, through titles and see, but it's about this, this woman who gets married and her new husband has a young daughter who he does not want on an internet at all. And I think she just like, she posts a story, which she's just like, this is going to disappear in 24 hours. And as it turns out, like someone is looking for um, this man and his daughter. And, you know, like two two different sets of people are kind of alerted to their existence when they see her Instagram story. So that one was interesting because it was just kind of like the politics behind in a relationship, you know, when one person is so public and the other person wants to be really private. That does sound like a good, a good twist on it. (laughs) (laughs) I had another book to mention, but it's kind of tied into the celebrity books as well. So celebrity book club books just remind me. I have one more to mention before we get to the celebrity books. Okay. It's a book called, it's called The Last Love Note by Emma Gray. This is a weird genre mashup of a romance and a grief novel. So you've got, yeah, you've got a woman whose husband died four years earlier from early onset Alzheimer's. She's only like 40. So they were in their mid thirties when her husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she has a young son. And so she, a lot of the book tracks just the, you know, the horrible experience of like watching her husband deteriorate both physically and mentally and, you know, how she was grieving him even before he was gone and just, you know, really, really poignant telling of that. And it turns out the author, 
the author's husband died, not of uh, Alzheimer's, but of a heart attack. But she clearly, you know, is writing from experience. But then the romance side of it is that she has this boss who became very close to her and her husband and is really one of her best friends, but, um, you know, is this somewhat sort of enigmatic kind of very, um, this guy really like keeps his feelings in very tight and they are going on a business trip and the plane, there's a big storm and the plane has to land and they're like stranded at this, you know, vacation resort for the weekend and they have to like share an Airbnb together. And it's obvious that there's feelings between the two of them, but she's so scared to trust and love and sort of let somebody in because she's so afraid of losing them. So you've got this kind of pendulum swing constantly back and forth between this like budding romance, you know, the sort of the typical romance trope of like, you know, two people who won't admit their feelings, but they're thrust together in some, you know, their forced proximity, I guess, is the name of that trope for romance. And then it'll swing back to the grief. So, you know, you know how I am with romance. Like I like it, but I sort of like it to have some heft to it. So this, I thought was struck a nice balance between a typical romance with the sort of formula that you would expect to then intersperse with these feelings of grief. So I just thought it was a, it was easy to read pretty quick, but had some, had some poignancy to it that you don't always get from a romance novel. So I like that one. I just wanted to mention it. That reminds me of the romance novel that I recommended that you re- read the seven year, I think it was the seven year slip about the house that goes back and oh, forth in time. Yeah. Right. I do agree with you that it's nice sometimes to have romance. I think it grounds it to in like kind of real life. That's not, you can fall in love and not have everything be rosy. Cause in that book, she's, she's just moved into her aunt's house and her aunt has died in the beginning of the book. And she's just trying to come to terms with it and like what that means for her family and her life going forward. Because, you know, she was such an integral part of her life. They used to take these trips together and of course, you know, her, she was warned about this house and never to fall in love with someone who appears to you in the house, which of course she does anyway. Mm-hmm. But it just, it just had that other kind of grounding element to it that I, I agree. It can be nice with romance. Yeah. Okay. So should we talk about the celebrity book club? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. For, for just a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I only focused on February. Yep, me too. So that we're perfect. in right now. Okay. So and I only looked at I looked at three of the book clubs and I looked at book of the month. So what was what's your take on what they're picking? You know, for it to be February, I feel like there there was I mean, I guess because February's Black History Month, so there's I felt like there's like a lot of heavy things on the list. On the list that I came across. I think Oprah um, has the new Jessamine Ward on her list, Let Us Descend, which is about um, this this young slave who is sold or she's enslaved and she's sold by her white father um, even further south, I think, to like Louisiana or something. And it just talks about how she is able to get through the trip or she calls on just this 
stories of her mother and the stories of her grandmother, like her grandmother was a warrior. And she just uses that in kind of like fuel for her journey and realizations that she makes and the direction that she wants to go to. And it says she connects with the spirits of earth, water, myth, and history to, to survive this ordeal. So I felt like that, that one's definitely heavy. It actually reminded me of this book that I'm listening to. This is the one that I said I would wait to mention is The Blueprint by Ray Gianna Rashad, which is also out this month. It comes out February 13th. And it is about, it's kind of about slavery in the sense that this is about a modern day Texas, which has seceded from the United States. And like there's been a second civil war and basically um, the black women in this novel and, and their black male counterparts, like basically everyone's life is uh, ruled by an algorithm, which like determines your status in life and who you marry and what happens. And it is about this woman called Selene, who is married to like a high ranking white official who has basically designed the algorithm. And so while she's in this relationship with this man, she kind of looks to one of her ancestors for inspiration, who used to be a concubine back in the 1800s and has escaped. And so she's writing her biography. So that just kind of reminded me of that, like these these books coming out in February. Um, I didn't see a lot that was lighthearted. Even the romances were, one is about a breakup. Did you see the Dolly Alderton has a new book? That's the book that I'm trying to read. Good material. <laughs> okay. How is it? So I actually, well, I bought it in London, like in December, because I was there and it was for sale. And I don't think it was for sale here yet. So I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this now. And I started it. And for whatever reason, I put it down. And that's the one that I think is going to be my my next like print read. So yeah, it's it's good so far. I don't know why I put it down. But it's heavy. It's like a breakup told from the point of view of the guy. Even the romances this month are heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's kind of like at a crossroads, doesn't have any place to live, is at loose ends and wants to really get her back. But he's got to figure out what even happened. <laughs> he doesn't know. Right. Right. And she wrote Ghosts, which I thought was a really good sort of analysis of a break of a, of a relationship gone sour or, mm-hmm. you know, she got, ghosted. I think she got, I think she, it wasn't as simple as like that. She just got ghosted. It was really about a breakup of a woman in her thirties. Um, and so she, you know, she kind of approaches these, these relationships from like a, you know, mature, mature viewpoint. So yeah. I'll let yeah. You know Cause with ghosts, I think the woman, well, she had a lot that was going on in her family anyway, that I think that once he ghosted her, she then turned, because I don't know, her, her father might have been ill. Yeah, um, her father was ill, right. Yeah. And she was having like work stress and yeah, she was having a hard time. Right. A lot was going on and her friends were kind of like at different places and maybe a little bit judgmental about right. where she was in her life. So she had a whole lot going on there. And I think she tends to like have more traumatic, traumatic <laughs> love stories. Right. 
Right. Well, that's, yeah. So I, I need to just put down the damn TikTok and just read it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. There's no, there's no good reason why I haven't done, made any progress with it. Cause that's the book I'm going to read next. What was Reese's book? Redwood Court. Yeah. And I had come across that book today and it kind of looked interesting. And then I saw that it was one of Reese's book picks. And that is, it reminds me of a show that we did. Remember when we said we wanted to do a show that was more about normal people, because like a lot of our reading tends to be skewed to like the firmly middle-class wealthy perspective. Mm -hmm. And so we did like a show about the every man. And this kind of reminded Mm -hmm. me about that because it's like about a young girl who wants to be a writer and she's listening to everyone's stories. Like, you know, like, I guess as they're caring for her, she's listening to the stories of her parents who've like worked really hard and sacrificed so that her family's able to take vacations, you know, cause this is a black family and they are living, I want to say it's South Carolina. Like it's a working class suburb of South Carolina, and she hears her grandparents' stories of how they were able to buy the house and, you know, survive the 60s and Jim Crow in order to put this aside. So it's more about like the love of this family and the care that has gotten them through and the stories, like the different stories that have gotten to them to this point. Um, And it says it's about fostering love and joy in an America that um, needs to see black people stumble and fall. So that's Reese's pick for this month. And also, you know, seems like it will be a story of a family, which I love, and generational story, which I love, but also on the heavier side. Right. I definitely saw that on, on her list. Um, the only other one that you didn't mention was the good morning America, which is, um, the new Kylie Reed coming. Yeah. Out. That was going to be next out of my mouth. Um, you want to read that one. I'm very curious to see what you think of it. Yeah, I have it here. I've got it from the library and I don't know, like, I feel like the reviews haven't been that great. Am I wrong about that? I don't know. The premise was just slightly weird to me. There's a pig on the cover. (laughs) Just like, and it's, and it's satirical. Right. Yeah. It's like an academia book. Um, I agree. The premise is weird. Um, And I'm trying to like sort of ignore that and just see where you go. Yeah. And yet I haven't picked it up and it's sitting there and it's going to be due in like a week and I haven't even started reading it yet. So I'll have to like, well, maybe you'll start a panic read. (laughs) Yeah. That moral conflict. I know I, it wasn't until, well, I was in the middle of the art thief, but I was getting these, like, you know, those emails from the DC public library. That's like, you know, threatening that they were going to charge me like the replacement cost of the book. I was like, okay, I'll return it. I'll get it done. (laughs) Um, yeah. Well, I'll, if, if I get to it, I'll let you know. There's a chance I may end up just returning it as is, not, you know, not unread. Right. It just, I don't know, had a weird premise. But you know what was really weird this month, I think, were the book of the month choices. I know you're not doing book of the month anymore, but like, 
they had the. But six when you mentioned choices. them, I did look at them. Okay, uh, so look, there's a looked thriller, at the choices. Historical fiction and Kristen Hanna. <laughs> Kristen Hanna. Well, there's two historical fiction. So one of them is Prohibition Chicago, and then there's Kristen Hanna, which is about Vietnam. And it's an epic tribute to undersung female heroes of the Vietnam War. So a little shades of absolution there, although the women in absolution were not, they weren't fighting. This makes it sound like these are soldiers. Then there's historical fantasy. So, you know, that's not for me. Romance. Um, and then another fantasy. And I'm like, where's the like literary fiction? Or contemporary fiction. I don't know. Like, I, I guess they're these figuring they could do that with Kristen Hanna. It takes place in Vietnam War. Well, but it's probably still literary, right? I, guess I mean, so. I guess I we don't know because we haven't read any <laughs> Kristen <laughs> Hanna. No, we've heard. We, but I just, I don't know. We're I guessing. Just, I read these and it was like so easy for me to just say no, which I, in some ways that's a relief. Like, I just don't need more books, but. Like, I just was like, where are the books that I want to read? I don't know. The only one that was kind of intriguing to me was The Mayor of Maxwell Street. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Prohibition era, just, I don't know. <laughs> it's not, like, my favorite time to read about. I, we're so funny. We're so spe- we're so specific. I know. Just specific. <laughs> and yet we know each other's, like, specifics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I know. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to be excited about the new Kylie Reed. I'm like, but I don't like weird. It's a little weird. It's just a I little know. strange. It's a little left. It seems very different from uh, the last one. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it's about young a young woman coming of age in like some kind of racial politics or something. Because it seems like something's going to go on in this Midwest college, but there was something in the description that was just. Well, can it be that the description was that this professor comes to this random Midwest university to research weddings? Like that's what the premise is. I totally missed that part. Oh, I think that's what it was all about. Like she's researching weddings. I don't know. Maybe if I read it, it will make more sense. It just, but it, I agree with you. There's something that just was off about it. Yeah, it was like vengeful dorm pranks and illicit intrigue. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's odd. I don't know. I may have to. I have to. May have to read a sample on. Yeah. Bn.com or something. This is the book is sitting here. I should just, if nothing, I'll at least sample skim it. Skim a few chapters just to let us know. Uh, Ron Charles gave it four stars. Oh, well, that's, I usually like his opinion. He, he oh, tagged no. it academic comedy. See, and yeah, and that was the comic thing that got me. You know how I am about comedies, Gail? True. I do know. If someone tells you it's funny, you're like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also tagged finances and fiction. So it's like one thing I would like to read about and with paired with something I would not. Yeah. I, I totally hear you. Yeah. Agatha Paul, a visiting professor who writes about how people conduct family events such as funerals and birthdays. She's come to the dorm to ask three female students questions for her new work of cultural criticism on weddings. 
So why do you go to a college, go talk to college students about weddings? Like, that doesn't that just seem odd? I don't know. Other people say it doesn't quite pack as much of a punch as such a fun age, but it was enjoyable. The dialogue is sharp and funny, and there is so much cultural commentary and criticism. Someone, mm-hmm. and then the Julia from Game of Reading DNF'd it at <laughs> 55%. See, like, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm just going to stay in my fantasy bubble for right yeah. now. Okay. Well, there are lots <laughs> of other options, lots of fantasy options. <laughs> All right. Well, this was going to be a short show and it has now been an hour, I think. Almost. Right? Um, yeah. Yep. So maybe next time we can talk about some literary adaptations you know, they yeah. have done a Netflix series version of One Day, which I'm curious to see if you will watch. That was on my list. Yeah, I was going to talk about that when we were thinking we might do um, literary adaptations. I'm actually really excited to watch that. I really like, did I like the movie? <laughs> like, I was going to say I really like the movie, but then I'm just like, did I though? Was Anne Hathaway in that? Yes. Yes. Because I think we talked on a show about you and Anne Hathaway, and did you like, you've come to appreciate her. I've come to appreciate her after watching her in a few other things, like um, in her one of the modern lovers, or modern love. Mm. The modern love is just the adaptation of the New York Times columns, and I thought the one that she did was really good. But yeah, she's But did you like her in one day? I didn't see it. I only read the, the movie. Book. Oh, oh, you didn't see the movie? Never saw the movie. I only read the oh. book. And so now I want to watch the series adaptation. Okay. Why didn't you want to yeah. see the movie? Is it Was it because of Anne Hathaway? I don't know. I think it's because... Actually, maybe I did see the movie. I can't imagine you not seeing that movie because I thought you were really taken with the book. I liked the book. Yeah, I don't. I I never saw the movie, um, and I don't know why I didn't see the movie. But I think I would like the series. It's it's that type of episodic, like let's check in with them once a year. I think lends itself really nicely to a series. So I think right. I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what they do with that. I already didn't like the speech that she gave in the Netflix preview. I'm like, am I going to like this? <laughs> oh really? Oh, I didn't see any of the preview. This is what we're thinking about discussing on our next show. One day we'll feature prominently. Yes, I'm sure it will. So much for our short, we don't have a whole lot to talk about show. We had a lot to talk about. We did, and we talked about it. On that note, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. 